0: Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. Um, the, the final I am statement is the one we're going to look at today in John chapter 15. And we're gonna start in verse one. If you've got your Bible, if you've got a Bible with actual pages and binding, you can stick your finger in John chapter 15. We're gonna be jumping around to uh, Matthew chapter seven. We're also gonna be in Galatians. Uh, So we'll be jumping around. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It should be on the screen for you. So let me begin in John chapter 15 verse one. This is Jesus talking and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch, in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So what Jesus does in these first two verses is he identifies who he is. So he makes this I am statement. He says, I am the true vine. And then he identifies who God is. He says, and my father is the vine dresser. And the reason this is significant is because you look at the Old Testament, there were times when, uh, when the nation of Israel was described as the vine. And so what Jesus is doing is he's making a delineation. He's saying, no, 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 you don't need to be grafted. Salvation doesn't lie in your heritage. It doesn't lie in being connected with Israel. Salvation lies in me. And so Jesus is making this delineation. So he's saying, I am the true vine. And then he says, and my father is the vine dresser. So a vine dresser is like a gardener, basically. And uh, he's the one who who makes sure that the plants are healthy, and make sure the plants are fruitful, make sure that the plants are doing what they're supposed to do. He goes on in verse two to say, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Uh, When you look at pruning, and if you wanna look a little more at this, we spent some time talking through Matthew chapter seven back this last summer. Uh, when we went through our Sermon on the Mount. So if you wanna explore this a little further and talk about fruit and explore that idea a little more, uh, we spent more time on that. Uh, this last summer in our Sermon on the Mount series, I always encourage you to go back and check that out when you can. But when you look at this idea of pruning, and we'll circle back to the passage, but uh, pruning is the targeted removal of diseased, damaged, dead, non-productive, structurally unsound, or otherwise unwanted tissue from the tree. You prune a tree to remove dead wood, shape the tree by controlling or directing growth. You you prune a tree to improve or maintain health. And then you can also prune a tree to improve the harvest or increase the yield or the quality of the fruit that it produces. So there are reasons why you prune a tree. Now, if you're a guy that's here like my father, my father likes to prune trees when my mom is away because he likes to just go to town on these things. He wants to be able to mow underneath the trees. And so he's like, I don't care really what they look like as much as I want them to be functional, but my mom wants them to be pretty. And so they have this tension in their household. So probably they're gonna have a discussion while they watch this service even. They're gonna say, why do you do that? Well, I don't know why. So I'm gonna have to pray for them about the argument they're having while they're watching the service right now. But. My dad, he says, I wanna prune the tree and he's targeting limbs, he's targeting how he prunes it because he's got an idea in mind of how that tree can be most productive for him and what he wants to do. He has an idea of what it should look like, what it should be like, how it should grow in order to to best suit his desires. And this is what God does in our lives as well. He looks at you and he sees your life and he has an idea of what you could be and what you should be and he targets you for pruning. And you go, no, that's not very much fun though. You're right, it's not very much fun. It's more fun than the alternative though because if we're not pruned, it means we're not bearing fruit and if we're not bearing fruit, it means he cuts us off and we'll see in a minute what he does with the branches that are eliminated, that are removed. So the idea behind this is if we're bearing fruit, God prunes us so that we'll be more fruitful. Um, Does anybody remember the movie The Wizard of Oz? Wizard of Oz, Dorothy and the Tin Man, they're hungry, they're trying to pick the fruit and then the trees go nuts on them, right? And they start throwing their own apples at Dorothy and the Tin Man. Like, probably you don't have trees like that in your yard, I would imagine, do you? If you do, we need to pray for your yard. (laughs) Like, (laughs) we're gonna get some people together, we're gonna anoint your trees, right? Nobody has trees like that. Trees don't put up a fight when we're pruning them, but we do as Christians, right? Because God comes into our lives and goes, oh, there's some areas I wanna deal with. There's some things I wanna, I wanna work on. You know what? I want you to be more fruitful. You're bearing fruit, but I want you to be more fruitful. So you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna prune this area of your life. I'm gonna trim this away. I'm gonna take this away because it's hindering your growth. It's hindering your health. It's hindering your development. So I'm gonna do this and we go, no, no, no. Wait a second. But do you have the right to do that, God? I don't think you do. This is my life. God, you can have 100% of my life except for that percent, right? That is my part. You don't get it. So leave me alone. And we resist pruning in our lives. And it's not fun. None of us like to have areas of our lives exposed as dead wood or as problematic or as diseased. But this is what God does. And this is how he does it. But the reason he does it is to make us more fruitful, See, God doesn't just want us to barely get into heaven someday. He wants us to be as fruitful as we possibly can be. See, a a tree that bears fruit is a healthy tree. I don't know if you remember, there's a story where Jesus goes by a fig tree and it's not bearing fruit and he curses it and it withers. And the reason he cursed it was because it wasn't bearing fruit. It looked like it was supposed to bear fruit, but it didn't. And so he cursed it and it withered up and died. And this is an illustration for us that, that as Christians, we can say we're Christians all we want, we can say we're followers of Christ, we can say we're redeemed, we can say we're changed, but if there's no fruit in our lives, then it means nothing. And God wants us to bear fruit because fruit is a sign of healthiness in us. So the goal isn't just to make us more productive, the goal is to make us healthier because as we are healthy, byproduct of health is fruit. This is what it says in Matthew chapter seven. And again, we won't go into the whole thing, but I wanna read you a portion of Matthew chapter seven. I'm gonna start in verse 17. Again, this is from the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus speaking. He says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit. So say that with me. So every every healthy tree bears fruit, right? Every, there's no equivocation. It's not unless the tree's having a bad day or unless a tree is struggling, or unless a tree is having a hard time with their boss, or you know how to fight with their wife, none of that stuff. If you are a good tree, if you're a healthy tree, you're bearing good fruit. This is what Jesus said. Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can the diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree, now listen to this, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's, that's not where we wanna end up, right? We don't wanna be that tree, we wanna bear fruit. Why, because there's health there. What fruit are we looking for? And I'm just gonna spend two minutes on this. Galatians chapter five, verse 22. If you've grown up in church, you've heard this a thousand times. If you haven't been around church, this might be new to you. It says in Galatians five twenty-two, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things, there is no law. This is our filter. This is where we go, hey, what is the fruit of my life? Does it look like these things? Does it look like love, patience, kindness, goodness? Does it look like those things? The product of my life, what is being born in my life, does it look like that or not? When you go back to John chapter 15, verse three, we're coming back to the main portion of the main body of scripture we're looking at. Verse three says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now listen to this part. Jesus says in verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me and he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. So it says, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. This word abide has a lot of different meanings. If you look at the the Aramaic or the Hebrew or the Greek, uh, but they, they all have common ground as far as their meaning. Um, some of the ways the word abide can be interpreted as sit or stay or wait or remain or root or be planted. And so what Jesus is saying is abide in me and I in you. This is the key idea, abide in me and I in you. Wait, get rooted, get planted. Remain in me, and then he says the same thing, and let me remain in you. See, uh, Jesus was talking about the branches being broken off, and he compares himself. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. And then he comes back in this part of the scripture and he says, and you are the branches, right? Does anybody know what this is? Stick, yeah, thank you. I had somebody in the last service say divining rod. I was like, well, I guess it could be. Like, where's the water, right? But that's not what we're doing here. It's a stick. Uh, that's all it is. I uh, had to hunt this down out of my yard. It fell uh, in a windstorm. It got knocked off the tree. And, and yes, this is a stick. Very scientific. Um, so, with a stick, if I decided I want the stick to, to be alive, um, I could go about whatever I wanted to do to try to bring the stick to life. I could, I could put it in the ground and I could water it. I could put fertilizer around, I could put mulch around it. Uh, I could do whatever I wanted to do to dress the stick up, but it, it would not begin to grow. Um, I, I could pray for the stick. Uh, we, could, we could talk gently to the stick. Come on, stick, why don't you grow? Why don't you bear some fruit, stick, right? Like I talked to my wife's stomach when she was pregnant. It's not gonna happen. It doesn't matter what I do to this stick. It is just a stick. It is a branch that's been removed. If, if this was ever gonna bear fruit or have blooms or, or be alive or vibrant, what it would have to be is attached to the tree. If it's not attached to the tree, this stick has no hope of life. This stick is dead and worthless. The only thing it's used for is to put in a bonfire and that's it. And many of us live our Christian lives this way. We dress ourselves up. We do what we can do. We show up to church. My wife talked about it last week about white knuckle Christianity. We try to white knuckle it and go, well, I'm just going to stop sinning and then maybe I'll be good enough. But what we don't understand is there's nothing we can do because without Christ, we are a branch that's not connected to the tree. But what happens is when we get connected to the true vine, to Jesus Christ, life begins to happen in us, fruit begins to happen in us. We become vibrant. All the things that we desire for ourselves begin to flow in us. True life happens, but we struggle and we fight. We try to white knuckle it, we try to do better, we try to look better, we try to, okay, if I just stay planted in the ground, if I, but no, that's not the point. The point is that we abide in Christ, that we are connected to the true vine. It doesn't matter how bad we want it. If we're not connected to the true vine, We're never gonna bear fruit, we're never gonna grow, we're never gonna become everything that God wants us to be. And so Jesus makes it very clear, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's saying it's so important not just to look the part, but to truly let your hearts abide in him. It's interesting when you look at the word abide got a couple of other meanings as well. One of them is dwell or to have one's abode in. And that's kind of a complicated way of saying to make your home. So you, you, you find your abode in your home, right? Another, another meaning of the word abide is to loosen. And when I first saw that one, I was a little puzzled by that. But then the more I thought about it in context, the more it makes sense. Um, I don't know about you. I, I don't wear ties very often. Wed- weddings funerals. And that is about it where I'm wearing a suit and tie. Something's going to be wrong. If I'm wearing a suit and tie, something's either really bad or really good. Right. And so when I get home after I've done a wedding or a funeral, uh, the very first thing I do, I'll walk in the door, I'll put my stuff down and I will loosen my tie. I will unbutton the button and I'll loosen the tie. Right. What am I doing? I'm trying to take away the restrictions. I'm trying to become more comfortable. Take off my belt. I'll put on some stretchy pants. Does anybody identify with that? You need some stretchy pants sometimes. Put on some stretchy pants. I'm getting comfortable. I'm I'm getting rid of restrictions, right? I'm loosening some things up. And and does anybody remember this? Is, this might make me feel. Does, how many of you remember Mister Rogers' Neighborhood? He had Pittsburgh classic, right? Okay, Mister Rogers. I don't know what this guy did for a living where he had this little house that he could just visit once in a while, spend some time in during the day. Makes me a little nervous the more I think about it, but he would show up at his house the middle of the day. He'd show up, he's clearly come from the office, right? He's in a suit and tie and he walks in and I'm not gonna sing the song, but you know the song. He'd walk in and he'd sing the song and what would he do? Take off his jacket and put on the cardigan, right? And then he would get his shoes and he would take off his dress shoes and he put on his his, uh, sneakers. What was he doing? He was loosening some things up. He was getting a little more comfortable. Why? Because he was in his his home. And when we look at the connotation of abiding with the the definition of loosening, we understand a little more clearly that what Jesus is talking about is not just some adherence to a set of rules or regulations, but his true idea and what his true heart is, is for us to make our home in him. For us to find our comfort in him for us to find our rest in him, for us to to stay in him. And not in a religious sense that you feel like you're gonna get in trouble if you miss a Sunday of church, but in in the true sense where I don't wanna go anywhere, but I wanna stay in him, I wanna abide in him. I wanna find my home and my rest and my peace and my comfort in him. And this is what Jesus is talking about. This is what he's really trying to say when he says, abide in me and I in you, and then he uses the branch as an illustration. He's trying to help us see, it's not just about trying harder at our Christianity, it's truly about saying, God, I am yours and you are mine. He says, abide in me and I in you. So there's a sense that we invite him into our lives, not just in a religious sense, but we invite him to, to abide in us, to stay in us, to make his home in us as well. Verse seven, it says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. I have heard well-intentioned Christians use this verse wildly out of context where we will take this verse and we will interpret it in a way that we say, if you love Jesus enough, you can pray for whatever you want and you're gonna get it. And that is not exactly true. Because this is, this is the, the way I see this. Jesus made these two qualifying statements. He says, if you abide in me, that's the first qualifying statement, and the second qualifying statement is, and if my word abides in you, then you can ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. I don't know about you, but as I've gotten older, my values have changed. Now, there's some things that haven't changed. There's some things about my values that I think, I'm rock solid, that, was, that is never gonna change. How I view Jesus or the Bible or, you know, some of those things don't change. But I'll give you an example. When I was in college, I used to think it would be awesome to live in a metropolitan urban area and have a loft apartment, because I thought, man, I, it would be right in the middle of the city and there's so much energy and life and vibrancy and, man, I, that's how I wanna do it. I wanna, I wanna live downtown someplace. I wouldn't even have a car, right? I'll just live downtown, that'd be awesome. Then I got a little older and I realized, no, it's not as awesome as living downtown. I don't wanna live downtown. I want a yard, right? And and when I got married, it was like, you know what? Maybe we wanna have a house big enough for kids and maybe a loft is a bad idea if you've got kids because sometimes I love my kids, but I need some space for my kids. Is there anybody else that agrees with that, right? And so as I got older, my values shifted a little bit. When I was in college, I had some money saved and I came to this, this, this crossroads where I could either buy a motorcycle or I could buy a ring for the woman that I wanted to become my wife. And I made the right choice because I bought a ring and she somehow said yes, and we've been married all this time. So I made the right choice. Now I look back at that decision where I was like, should I buy a motorcycle or spend the rest of my life with a woman I love? And it was like the stupidest thing ever. Like I can't even believe that I considered that, right? So why? Well, it's because my values have changed. I've grown, I've matured. And the same thing happens in our spiritual lives. Some of you have been saved a long time. You've been growing in your faith, you're you're a mature Christian, and you can look back at your life and think about things that you valued when you were a young Christian, things you thought about, things you prayed about, and you look back and you go, I can't even believe I thought that way. I can't even believe I prayed that way. Why? Because you've matured in your faith, and as a result, some of your values have changed. So what Jesus is saying here is he's making these qualifying statements. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, then ask for whatever you wish and it'll be done for you, right? But what, what, what he's not saying explicitly here is, um, as we grow in our faith and as we abide in Christ and as his word abides in us, we shift and we grow and we mature and our values begin to change. And all of a sudden we realize that this verse doesn't have anything to do with a speedboat. Hey, I'm gonna ask for a speed boat. I've been, I've been wanting to do some skiing, right? That's not what this verse has anything to do with because Jesus knows if you abide in him and his word abides in you, as you mature, as you develop, as you grow, your values shift. And all of a sudden you're not gonna be praying the same way you were praying before you were saved. You're not gonna be praying the same way you were as a brand new baby Christian. You're gonna be praying differently. The things you pray about are gonna more resemble the things that Christ wants for this world. That, that we're gonna be praying things like, instead of praying selfish prayers, we're gonna be praying prayers like, God, give me an opportunity to witness to my neighbor. God, open up that door. God, help me be a light in my workplace. Because those are the things that Jesus cares about. Does Jesus care if you have a speedboat? Probably not, maybe. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Sometimes we pray for the Steelers to win. Do you think Jesus cares? I mean, he's a, we all know that Jesus' is a favorite team of the Steelers, but but ultimately, do you think Jesus really cares? No. Is that an eternal consequence? No, probably not. But what happens is our values shift and we begin to pray differently. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He can say, hey, pray for whatever you want because it's gonna come true. Because he knows if we're praying that way, if our heart is right, if if we're abiding in him, that we're gonna be praying for the things that he wants anyway. So he can make this kind of statement. Verse eight says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. How do we show the world our brothers and sisters in Christ that were disciples of the Lord, it's by the fruit that's born in our lives. It doesn't matter what we say. If there's no fruit in our lives, then it doesn't make any difference. See, (laughs) when we think about this passage in Galatians where we talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, it's easy to look at that verse and go, man, I'm not those things, isn't it? It's easy to think, well, I'm not loving and caring and patient and, golly, it kind of makes me feel bad about myself sometimes because I'm not very gentle. I don't have a lot of faithfulness sometimes and goodness, and, right? It's easy to do that, but this is the thing. Um, a lot of times there's incremental growth in our lives. We, we, look at, we look at ourselves and we don't see growth. We don't see fruit. As we come to know Jesus and we begin to grow in our faith, we wanna see immediate response, immediate return. We wanna see fruit Immediately. But that's not how fruit works. Um, In scripture, it was very agrarian um, atmosphere. I mean, it was very much about agriculture. And so they used agriculture a lot because agriculture takes time to develop. It takes time to plant a seed and to see that seed come to fruition. It takes a long time. And there's a reason we see this compared to our spiritual growth over and over and over and over again in scripture because it takes time. And I don't know about you, when I was a My beard. Just too manly. When I was a kid, uh, we, I grew up in Oklahoma City. My grandma lived in St. Louis. So I would see my grandma once a year, maybe twice a year. And every time I'd go see grandma... Uh, we'd get there and I'd get out of the car and she'd meet us and she'd say, oh my gosh, you have grown so much. You've grown like a weed. I gotta put a rock on top of your head, you're growing so fast. And I'd think, you're crazy. I'm not growing that fast, I promise, right? But she had gone a year without seeing me. So in that amount of time, she comes back and goes, wow, look at all the growth in you. And I've lived with the growth every day. There's been incremental growth every day that I haven't seen because I've grown this much. And so I don't see it, and so for some of us, we don't see the growth that we've had in our spiritual life. We say, God, I I wanna know you, I wanna grow in you, and we want instantaneous, quick growth. We want the Chia Pet growth in our lives, and that is not how our spiritual life forms and develops. It takes time, it's incremental. We want fruit immediately, but that is not how it works. It begins with a tiny little bud and then a little bit of fruit. And so some of you are so frustrated because you're not seeing more fruit in your life. And what I want you to know is fruit is not instantaneous. It takes time to develop. And so if you're frustrated today, you have to understand that it takes time, that maybe you're not satisfied with the amount of fruit in your life, but you've got a little bit of fruit. So let Jesus prune you, let God prune you so you can develop more fruit in your life, so you can be even more fruitful. So when he says when he says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples, what he's saying is, it's not that you have all the fruit in the world, but it's that we are growing and submitting ourselves to the vine dresser so that he can prune us and help us become more fruitful. Because as that fruit is being born in our lives, the people around us see it and it's evidence of healthiness in our walk with Christ. It's evidence of, of what God is doing in us. In verse nine, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Listen to this. He says, abide in my love. So he said this several times. He said, um, abide in me. He said, and I in you. And then he says again, abide in me and let my word abide in you. And then he comes back here and he says, abide in my love. Do Do you sense a theme here? That Jesus is making it very clear. It's important for us to abide in him. Let his word abide in us and to abide in the love of Christ. He says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, what we have to understand is if you look at the word abide in the original language, it is connected to this understanding or this idea that, um, that abiding is part of our will, that we choose to abide. Um, and it's not an emotional thing, it's, a, it's, a, it's something we choose. We make ourselves abide. In the world we live in, um, it's so easy to not stay in things, isn't it? It's so easy to move from thing to thing, from relationship to relationship, from job to job, from church to church. We're unhappy with something. Well, we just go, it's gotta be better somewhere else. So I'm gonna change. The best way to fix this situation is to remove myself from the situation. And that is totally contrary to what Jesus is telling his followers in John chapter 15. What he's saying in John chapter 15 is abide. Stay, stay rooted, stay planted, stay connected and see what happens. Because that's where, that's where fruit happens, that's where health happens is when we, when we abide. But abiding is, is like obedience. Have you ever told your kids to do something or not do something and then they do the opposite? So you say, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to clean your room. And two hours later, the room's not clean. You go, why didn't you clean your room? And they go, I do Well, what was your motivation? What caused you to do that, right? Like there was some motivation, something said, I'm not cleaning this room. Like I'm just not gonna do it, right? There was, maybe it was emotional, whatever the case is, they decided not to do that. But as Christians, we can't just make an emotional decision because there's days we don't feel like following Christ if we're gonna be quite honest. There are days I don't feel saved. I feel frustrated, I feel angry, I feel whatever. There are days, don't we all feel like that at times? When we feel like the spirit is far from us, what we see in scriptures, we're not supposed to rely on our feelings. We're supposed to rely on what we know. What do we know? We know that God is a good God. We know no matter what my circumstances, situation looks like, that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So I can look at my situation and my circumstance and think God is far from me. But that that is my emotions, that is my senses. But what I do is is I obey, I lock myself in to abiding. That's my will. And I go, you know what? I'm gonna abide in Christ. No matter what my circumstances look like, no matter what the elections bring, no matter what the circumstances bring, the taxes, the whatever in this world, no matter what it brings, I'm choosing to abide in Christ. I'm choosing to, to stay or be rooted or connected to Christ. I choose to make my home in Christ, and more than that, I want him to make his home in me. As we finish up, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And really, I want you to ask yourself some questions. I want you to ask yourself this question. What kind of fruit is my life producing? Is it reflective of Galatians chapter 5? And the fruit of the spirit? Or does it look like something else? Because your life is producing something. So what kind of fruit is my life producing? Ask yourself this. What are some areas or what are some things that God wants to prune in my life? And if you've been a Christian for a while, you probably already can identify a couple. You probably already know something in your life that you go, oh, God's been dealing with me on that. And I know that's, that's what it is. Let the Holy Spirit identify that to you and show that to you. So what are the areas or things that God wants to prune in me? And then finally, ask yourself this question. What do I abide in? What am I grafted into? Is it Christ? Am I finding my rest and my peace and my home? Am I making that somewhere else? Or is that in Christ? If you're not abiding in Christ, you are just like this branch. It doesn't matter what kind of effort you put forth. It doesn't matter what you do or how you dress it up. If you're not abiding in Christ, you're as lifeless and fruitless as this branch is. It doesn't have to be that way. Christ makes it clear, abide in me and I in you. That's what his heart is. That's what his desire is. It's not about production. It's not about making you a robot as a Christian that will just do what everybody else is doing, but it's about you finding health and life and vibrancy in Christ. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Jesus, we love you. And we're grateful that you are here and you're among us today. We're grateful that, we can make our home in you, that we can find our rest in you, that Lord, you want us to abide in you as the true vine. So Lord, I pray today you would help us. Lord, help those of us that are here that are struggling with what kind of fruit we're producing what our lives look like, God. Help those of us that are here that that identify some things. We know there's some areas of our lives that need to be pruned so that we can be healthy, so that we can be fruitful, so we can produce even more fruit for you. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't resist that. God, I pray for those that are here that simply aren't in relationship with you, that don't know you. I pray that you would gently bring them home. Lord, let them discover what life is really all about in you. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just wanna ask you, if you're here in this place today and you say, Mel, when you described that branch, you described me, I'm not connected with Christ. Maybe you've even gone through the motions, you've done some of the right things, but you know today there's no life in you because you're not connected to the true vine. And today you say, Mel, I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. I wanna be connected with him. I'm tired of my life the way it's been and I need a change. I wanna be connected with Jesus today. I wanna make him Lord of my life. I'm not gonna make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you where you are. So if that's you, would you put your hand up real high where I can pray with you? I can identify that and just pray with you where you are. Thank you. Over here on my left, you can put your hand down, ma'am. Praise God. Cool. Thank you on my right. Thank you in the back by the camera. Thank you. Thank you in the center section. Fantastic. Just a few more seconds. Who else? Up in the balcony, thank you. Down on my right. Thank you. You can put your hand down, sir. Praise God. Up at the balcony on my right. Thank you so much. Praise God. All right. I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, just to repeat this really simple prayer after me. So if you would, repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for paying the price for my sin. On the cross, I give you my life and I'm asking you to use it for your glory. Thank you that I can be grafted in to you, that I can abide in you. And I'm asking you to abide in me. Use my life for your glory. I am yours. Thank you that you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, come on, let's celebrate today. Thank you, Lord. Hey, I just wanna tell you, if you made a decision for Christ today, whether it was the first time or whether you're coming back to Christ, uh, we're so proud of you. We're excited to see what God's gonna do in your life. This is the beginning of a process. Just like we were saying, it is, it is a developmental process. It doesn't happen overnight as far as us becoming the man or woman of God that we wanna be. And so we wanna help you with that process. A couple of things you can do. There's a card that looks like this one in the seat back in front of you. Take just a moment, take this card out, fill out the side that says salvation or rededication. And then there's offering boxes in the back of the room here and one in the balcony. Drop that off before you leave. Uh, drop it in that offering box. We're gonna get in contact with you this week and help you take next steps, help you understand what you need to do, how we can help uh, equip you and empower you to take those steps to to become fruitful. Uh, Another thing you can do is stop by our info center following the worship experience. You can sign up for two things. Number one is Pastor Dick Motzing is our associate pastor. He leads a group called Starting Point. It's every Wednesday night is is that group. It is a, uh, a four week group that they rotate through. But I wanna encourage you, if you're here and you're new to your faith and you're saying, how do I grow or how do I pray or what what does it look like to be saved or what now? That is the group you need to be involved in. That's a great way to get plugged in. So sign up for that at the info center. Also, you can sign up for baptisms. They're coming up in just a few weeks. I would love for you to celebrate baptisms with us by just declaring publicly what God is doing in your life. We can't see your heart, but we can see that baptism. And that is a public declaration of what God is doing in you. So we wanna celebrate that with you. Uh, I've been telling you guys through this series that because Jesus is something, we are something. And I want you to know because Jesus is the true vine, we are healthy because of that. When we abide in him, we can find health. So I wanna encourage you today, if you're struggling spiritually, if you're struggling with your spiritual health, I wanna encourage you, get rooted and grounded, make your home in Christ, abide in him, and let him bring true health to you. This is what's gonna happen now. Our worship team is gonna lead us in one final song, and as they do, our prayer team is gonna be on either side of the stage. If you need prayer for any reason, as soon as they begin to sing, step out from your seats, find one of our prayer team members, let us agree with you in prayer.